great. It was a good time, had its ups and downs. It was what it was. Um, but the way my mom structured it, I would start school at 8 o'clock every morning, and by 10 o'clock, I had finished all my homework. So I had two hours of class every day. Yeah, good times. <laughs> um, and then after 10 o'clock, I would spend the rest of my day watching television programs that were marketed specifically to 40-something stay-at-home moms. Yeah, it was fun. Um, really got cultured that way. It was a good time. Um, and then my, one of my favorites was The Price is Right. It was hosted by Bob Barker. Yeah, it's a good show. Um, and one of my favorite games that they would play on there, one of the ones I always remember, they had three doors. And he said, okay, pick one of them. And they would say, I want door number three. I want door number three. And so they would get rid of one or two, and then they would have to make a decision. Do you want to keep the same one? Do you want a different door? It was pretty simple. There would be really like a huge range of prizes behind it. Some of them would be like extravagant vacations and luxury cars. Sometimes they would have laundry detergent. You know, it was hit or miss. But it was a game of doors and decisions. They had to make a decision. And I feel like we do this every day, right? We have decisions in front of us. Life feels like a game of doors and decisions. Which one do you pick? So it could be something like behind door number one, you have time with friends. Door number two, you have good grades. Door number three, you have a full night's sleep. Which one do you want to pick? <laughs> okay, so we have a variety of choices. It could be something like you set your alarm clock at night, and behind door number one, you actually get up to it. I hear there are people who do this and I don't understand, but we're gonna make that an option nonetheless. Behind door number two, you snooze it. Yeah, behind door number three, you shut it off. That's usually what I do. Um, but then there's some that are a little bit more complicated. So it's like, what do you do after graduation, right? Yeah, there's doors and decisions all throughout life. Sometimes we know what's behind the door Sometimes we do not, but life is a game of doors and decisions. And I feel like sometimes I'm just wandering around trying to figure out which one do I go to? Where do I need to get to? Which door do I need to go through? And life gives us way more than just three doors, right? So like, I'll be walking through life, I'll see three options, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then life is like, but wait, there's more. And I see like 50 more pop up because life is just doors and decisions. Everywhere I turn, there's a new decision, a new door. We have so many options. And life says, do you wanna be popular? Do you wanna be successful? Do you wanna have fun? Do you wanna be comfortable? And for each one of those desires in your heart, there's like 50 doors to choose from. And I feel like um, there's so many options, and I feel like there are no options at the same time because I just don't know what to pick. I don't know what door to go through, and I'm left wandering around in this mess of like confusion and frustration. I just don't know what to do because I can't make a decision. And so I picture it like this. We have another picture. Either you have 85,000 options or you have none. Here you're stopped, here you're stopped. Where do you go? And I feel like sometimes they're, they're kind of the same. Uh, we have too many decisions or we have none. It's like you're standing in the middle of nowhere. So there's no road signs, not even any roads, no directional markers. What do you do? It feels like you're lost in the wilderness, whether you have too many doors to go through or you have none. It feels like you're lost in the wilderness. 
And so if you don't already know this, here at Chi Alpha, we read the Bible, and we believe that there's a lot of answers in there. And so whatever situation you're going through, there, you will not go through something that the Bible does not speak into in one way or another. And so today we're going to sit in John chapter 10, but before we get there, we're going to look at some context. Context is really important because like, if you're following directions on a GPS, you need, yes, you need the address you're going to, but you also need a starting point, right? And so the, the context that we're going to look at today is the starting point uh, for chapter 10, so starting address. So last week, do you remember when Allie talked about the Feast of Tabernacles? And she had the picture of the temple up there with the huge lights. Can you picture that? Well, she talked about the Feast of Tabernacles, and I want to talk a little bit about more, a little more, a little bit more about the origin of that feast. Um, so it was originally celebrated to commemorate God's deliverance of the people of Israel from their traveling in the wilderness. So um, long time ago, many millennia, there were people called the Israelites, and they were actually slaves in the land of Egypt for a few centuries. And so God came in, he did a bunch of wonders, a bunch of miracles, and he freed them from that captivity. But then before he brought them to the land that he had promised them, they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, and so in order to remember this, their descendants would set up shacks kind of looks like this. They were called like booths, um, little shacks. They would stay in these for a week at a time to remember what their ancestors had to go through. They would live in these shacks instead of, um, instead of their houses. They would move into these shacks for a week um, to remember that, uh, to remember God bringing them up out of the wilderness. They wanted to remember this. And so we see the illustration of the context uh, of John chapter 10. We see this illustration in the feast. And then in John chapter 9, we see a real-life example of this wandering in the wilderness. So there was a blind man. Talks about it in John chapter 9, if you're taking notes. There was a blind man. He was born that way. Um, and because Jesus is in the business of healing and restoring brokenness, Jesus gave him back his sight. He was, like, actually blind, and Jesus gave him back his sight. Um, and that's kind of crazy if you think about it. Um, miracles like that are, are kind of unbelievable. And so there were a bunch of people in this blind man's town who thought, oh, that's not actually him. Like they act, didn't actually believe this miracle. They thought, oh, that's just his doppelganger, right? Like it just looks like him, but he can see. So like we're not going to believe that this happened. Um, and then there were some people who were like, no, this guy was lying to us for 18 years. He could actually see this whole time, and now he's just pretending like it's a miracle. Um, and because they were really jealous of what Jesus did in this guy's life. But because they couldn't really touch Jesus at this point, they couldn't do anything, they were jealous of him, but they couldn't really hurt Jesus or stop him at all, um, they came after this young man because he had such a huge testimony to who Jesus was. And so they kicked him out of the synagogue. And that means they kicked him out of his church, uh, their gathering. He was, just like the Israelites, out in the wilderness. He had nowhere to go. And it was even his parents, even his parents, like people who were supposed to take care of him, they rejected him because he was coming under such uh, cruel cruelty. Um, and 
He was begging his entire life because he was blind, so he didn't have a job. He was just kicked out of his community, which at this point in time means that he was basically the outcast of outcasts in society. He had nowhere to go. He was just like the Israelites. He was out in the wilderness, and he needed somebody to deliver him. He needed somebody to save him. And so before we go any further, I want to ask you tonight, where is your wilderness? Where do you have nowhere to go? And it might be a huge season in your life. It might be a specific area. I talked to a bunch of people tonight. I said, hey, how are you doing? And they said, I'm tired. And if you feel like you're really exhausted tonight, like that's a wilderness area in your life. Where do you have nowhere to go? Maybe you see all the doors. You see all these options and you don't know what to pick. Maybe you just say, I don't have any doors. I just need one door. I need one opening. I need one gateway. I need an in-between from where I am to where God wants me to go. Where is that wilderness for you? Uh, Maybe it's something like anxiety. Like that's where I'm at right now. My wilderness is anxiety. It's where, like, maybe your emotions, like, they're kind of through the roof. Maybe you can't control your thoughts. Maybe you wish you could feel anything or something, and maybe it's as bad as, like, actual depression. Maybe you don't feel like you have anyone to go to, and you're having trouble connecting with people, and more often than not, you feel lonely. Maybe when that happens, you try to fill that void in your life with relationships, whether like emotional or or physical relationships. You try to fill that void in your life, and it leaves you empty. It leaves you worse off than before. Maybe you look at your life or a specific area of your life or your to-do list, and you just don't know how it's going to get done. There's this feeling of, of inadequacy, and you don't know where to go because you don't know how to, how to do what you're supposed to do. Maybe you're dealing with broken relationships or rejection. Maybe it's just a pile of homework, and you're like, I don't know how this is going to get done. Maybe you're doing really well in a lot of areas, but if you take a step back and you look at your relationship with the Lord, it's not where it was. It's not where you want it to be. Or you can't put your finger on it, but you look at your life and you say, like, like there's something missing, or you're missing direction. I want you to to figure out what that wilderness is in your life, whether it's a season, specific area of your life. I want you to think of what that is tonight, where you have nowhere else to go. Because when this man, this blind man, he was kicked out, he was the outcast of outcasts, he had nowhere else to go. The Bible says Jesus found him because Jesus was looking for him. Not because Jesus didn't know where he was, but because Jesus is constantly pursuing you. He's constantly pursuing us. So the Bible says when this man had nowhere else to go, Jesus found him. This is where we finally get to today's passage. Jesus went to be with the man, and he says this simple thing. He says, I am the door. It's kind of weird. I don't know anybody else who compares himself to a door. But that's why I love this series that we're doing, this I Am series, because we're talking about Jesus from his perspective, not from ours. Jesus says, I am the door. And so we're going to look at that today. Um, so John 10, 9 says, I am the door. So Jesus talking. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And so it's kind of weird to tell somebody that I'm the door. But Jesus is saying, I am the in-between from where you are to where you want to go. When you have nowhere else to go, I can save you. I can bring you home. This man was lost in the wilderness, and Jesus says, don't worry, I'm the in-between. 
Because see, without Jesus as the in-between, there's just a wall. There's something separating us from where we want to go. And for this man, he was kicked out. He didn't have a place to go. He didn't have a home. But Jesus says, no, that's okay. I'm the door. And so for you, we're, we're blocked off from a relationship from Jesus. For us, we're blocked off from a relationship with Jesus, or from God. We don't have um, hope or joy or peace or anything that comes with a relationship with God. But Jesus says, no, I am the door. And he says, come on through me and you'll find peace and you'll find hope and you'll find redemption. You'll find anything you need because it comes with a relationship with Jesus. He is the provider. He's the protector. And so when this man was kicked out, left in the wilderness, Jesus says, come be with me. Come have a relationship with me. Jesus is the in-between because he takes us from where we are to where he wants us to go. He is the door. And I can't imagine how this guy felt in this moment because he had been completely rejected by everyone who was supposed to take care of him, by his parents, by his friends, by his family, uh, because the greatest thing had just happened to him. Something so great, like never being able to see and then you can see. Like, have you guys seen those videos where people get color, color uh, where they're colorblind and they get glasses where they can see color for the first time? Can, yeah, I cry every time. Can you imagine not being able to see it all? And then this, this guy gets sight for the first time. It's so great. And everybody rejects, them, rejects him and kicks him out. Like, to me, that's confusing. That's frustrating. How many of you have ever been confused by life? Yeah, it's confusing. It's frustrating sometimes. There are crazy roller coasters with highs, high highs, and low lows. But then this man, Jesus, who had given him his sight, says, Come be at home with me. Like, I'm going to give you your sight, I'm going to take care of you. Come be at home with me. Because no matter how confusing or dark or hopeless your situation is, it does not determine your purpose. Your wilderness does not determine what's on the other side of that door. And sometimes it seems like way too good to be true. Like you mean to tell me that I just have to walk through that door and I'm going to find everything I need? Yes, I do mean to tell you that. Because I think we overcomplicate things a lot. Like God's standing on the other side of that door, holding gifts. He says, like, come on in. Like, I have everything you need. I have your peace. I have your security. I have your strong foundation. I'm steadfast. I'm true. I am hope. And we're like, I don't know about that. Like, we don't want to trust him. Like, what if, what if I go through the door like, Jesus isn't going to actually like me. What if everyone else is allowed to go through the door, but I get there and he's going to stop me? Or we're like, we're on our way to the door and we're like, don't worry, Jesus. Like, you can let me in, but you can keep your gifts. Like, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to burden you. Like, just let me in and you don't, have to, you don't have to give me anything. And I think we do this in, in like everyday life too. Like, if I go to the coffee shop with one of my friends, I'm very much guilty of this. So, like, I'll try to buy a cup of coffee for them, or they'll try to buy a cup of coffee for me, and we feel guilty for accepting it. We feel guilty for accepting gifts. And I don't know if any of you have kids in your family, but I have five nieces and nephews, 
And when I spend time, when I spend time with them, like I could give them something as simple as a grape or something like a birthday present. And they do this crazy thing where I give it to them and they say, thanks. And they take it. Like how novel of an idea is that, that we don't have to feel guilty for accepting gifts. And it can be that simple with God too. Like when he wants to give us something, we can say thank you and we can accept it. We don't have to overcomplicate things. We can literally walk through this door and meet Jesus on the other, meet Jesus on the other side. It doesn't have to be complicated. And so hopefully... Uh, we can all place ourselves and we can say, yes, I want to go through that door. I want to go through Jesus to have a relationship with God. But maybe you're having a hard time going through because you're trying to take your wilderness with you. Um, maybe you're wandering around and like you do when we travel, we take luggage with us. Um, and so we're walking around, we're in this season, we're in this wilderness and we say, yes, I see the door. I'm going to go through it. But I'm not ready to give Jesus my whole life yet. So I'm going to take a little hesitation with me. And I'm going to pick up fear. And then we're walking along on our way to Jesus. And we say, I know God said he's going to forgive me. But I don't actually think he knows what I did. I don't think he actually knows who I am because it's pretty bad. And so, just like that, we pick up guilt, and we pick up shame. And so, maybe you're walking down the road, and somebody comes up alongside you, and they do something that hurts you. Or if we're being honest, God does something that you don't understand, and you pick up a bag of offense. And then, before you even get to the door, you realize that it's scary because you've been hurt before in the past by people. And so before you even have a chance to get there, you voluntarily pick up a bag of self-rejection. So you're trying to carry these all along. Maybe you are on the other side of the spectrum. And so you're on your way to the door and you're like, heck yeah, I'm going to go through. Like I've, I deserve it. I've earned it. Like, I'm, I'm a good person. Like, I've, I've tried to do this my whole life. I'm a good person. And without knowing it, you picked up pride. And I want to tell you, like, these things can make it hard to walk through the door. Like, you can't fit. And that's not because Jesus doesn't want us like this. But these things are heavy. We're not meant to carry them. And Jesus was the door for the blind man while he was still blind. Jesus was the light for the Israelites while they were in the wilderness. It's not like God doesn't want us to have, like, it's not like God doesn't want us while we're carrying these. God always wants us. These things can get sticky. They can get really hard to put down. But we're not meant to carry them. These things are things for traveling. These things are things for the wilderness. These are not home things. We're not meant to carry these with us. And so Jesus says, come to me. I'm the door. Come put them down. Put down your pride. Put down your rejection. Put down your fear and your guilt 
and your shame and your offense and come through the door. Come to me because you're not meant to carry those things. You're not meant to have those things. And they can get sticky. And the Lord knows that it's hard to put down. But he says, come to me. Drop your bags at the door. Come to me and come through. So whatever that wilderness is that you thought of a minute ago, Jesus is the in-between to get from where you are to where you want to be, where he wants you to be. He is the door to hope and peace and trust. If you have trouble trusting, God is trustworthy. God is faithful. God is steadfast. And I want you to picture your life without that wilderness. What would your life be like without shame? What would your life be like with hope? What would your life be like if you didn't fear rejection? Because the other doors the life offers to fill those needs, success, popularity, comfort, they're not going to cut it. They're not going to be enough. And Jesus knows we struggle with these things, but we're not meant to carry them. We're not meant to stay out in the wilderness. You don't have to be perfect. Like I said, it's hard to put those bags down sometimes, but that doesn't scare Jesus. Those bags, those things we carry around, they don't scare Jesus. And we can't go through any other door with the hopes of finding something as perfect as what Jesus offers. And so if you want to go through this door, if you want to put those bags down, you can always come to Jesus. You come just as you are, and he will help take the weights off your shoulders. He will prove to you that there is no reason to be afraid because his perfect love casts out fear. He will prove to you that there is no reason to feel shame because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and you have a new identity as a child of God. He will prove to you that it's not worth it to hold on to offense because our God fights for us as we don't have to fight for ourselves. He will never reject you. You don't have to be part of the in crowd. You don't have to be part of the churchy crowd. You don't have to fit a mold. This door will never have a do not disturb sign on it. This door will never have a keep outside on it. A keep out sign on it. That door is always open. You are always welcome. You will never be rejected, no matter what. You are accepted inside the door of Christ. Because Jesus is the in-between of where you are and where he wants you to go. And he will prove to you that even though none of us are worthy to walk through that door on our own, by the love of Christ, we have the freedom to do it anyway. When you come through the door, he will prove to you that you don't, when you don't have a place to go, you can always come home. You can come through Jesus and you can be with him. So tonight... I'm going to encourage you to walk through this door, to walk through the door of Jesus. And that's metaphorically saying, press into your relationship with Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Go deeper with him than you have before because it will always be worth it. And it's not so much about leaving something that's worthless. It's not so much about leaving our wilderness as it is about chasing Jesus. Because Jesus says, I am the door. Anyone who enters by me will be saved. And so that means he's going to save us from our wilderness. Yes, he says they'll go in and out and they'll find pasture. But then he continues in verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came 
that they may have life and they may have it abundantly. I, Jesus came that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly because inside the door is abundant life. And when we miss the door, we stay in a wilderness of lies and darkness and ho- hopelessness and defeat. There's no guidance for us outside. There's no protection for us outside. But one step inside that door and you're being taken care of by the creator God of the universe. When we go in through Jesus, that's how we meet the God of the universe. Jesus is the man who is talking here, but he is also the God that we worship now. And Jesus is so good. Jesus is so good. He is sweet. He is gentle. He is kind. He is patient and truthful. He will never lie to you. He will never lie to you. He'll never fake you out. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. And he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. And this invitation to walk through the door, it goes out to every single person in this room. But the Lord, he is so much more intimate than that. He is so much more personal than that. And so I want to take a second. I want everybody to close your eyes. And I want you to think, and I want you to realize that if there were no one else in this room, if you were the only person here, there's nobody sitting next to you, God would still be inviting you. God would still be inviting you, and he knows your wilderness. He knows what you've been through. He knows where you are are. God knows. And the pool that you feel in your heart right now is different than the pool in somebody else's. They don't know what you're feeling because God is calling uniquely and individually to you, saying, come through the door. Come home to me. You can open your eyes. And this individuality it's how we can know God deeply. Like God's not some old man up in the sky telling us to worship him. God is a faithful friend. He is a sovereign ruler. But he is a loving father. He is a magnificent wonder. And he's calling you. He says, I want to know you deeply. I don't want to just have like a wave on the street kind of relationship. He wants to know us deeply, and we can, we can know him deeply. And he's inviting us into relationship with him. So whether this is the first time you're considering walking through the door of Jesus, or you've kind of like been living at home with him for a while, he is still now and always will call us to know him deeper because he's He's infinite. We can never get to the end of him. And so no matter where you are, we need to know that it's Jesus. It's the door who allows us to get to know God deeper. But I could stay up here and talk for a while. I don't want you to just take my word for it. So I have some friends here today, and they're going to come up with the band. Um, So the band can come up. Um, And if you're sharing your testimony, you can come up. These people... They've been through the wilderness. 
They've come through the door. They've left things behind. And they have met God on the other side. And we are blessed to have them uh, share bits of their testimonies today. So, Hello. Um, so I guess it's good to start by saying that Brie asked me uh, a few days ago to give my testimony. And I was like, yeah, sure, okay, if you need me to, I can do that. Um, and then I sat down yesterday and I wrote out like three different things of like four different ways I could do it. And I had like this big paragraph. I was like, this is exactly what I'm gonna say. It's gonna be perfect. Everything's gonna be exactly as I need it to be. Um, because I wanted to be accepted and I wanted to say all the right words um, because I've wanted to be accepted my whole life. Um, but that's part of my testimony. Um, I sought that out for years and I never got it. Um, I sought it out in all the wrong places. I was a Christian when I grew up and I said everything my parents wanted me to say. I believed in everything my parents believed, um, even the things I don't agree with now. And then I fell in with the wrong crowd who told me that like, oh, like being a Christian is silly. Like that's childish. Like what are you doing? Um, and I wanted to fit in, so I agreed with them. Um, and then that led me to being the most depressed individual you could imagine for like six years, probably more. Um, and if you think finals week makes you want to like jump out a window, like you should have seen me then. Um, but then I found Edinburgh and I found Chi Alpha and I found God and then everything was sunshine and rainbows, right? No. <laughs> um, I became a follower of Jesus, but newsflash, being a follower of Jesus does not get rid of all your problems. Um, but what it does mean is that God is with you every step of the way. And even when you're in your bed and you're crying and you're alone, he's right there with you. Even when you're even when you feel like you'd rather not be here anymore, he's still there with you. And on the flip side, even when you're celebrating and you're happy, he's right there with you. And even when you're right here, surrounded by family, he's still right here with you. And the amazing part about that is that no matter what you do, no matter where you're at, God is going to meet you and he's going to love you and he's going to just surround you with the most powerful healing that you'll ever experience. And you will still have problems, but he will be right there with you. And how I'm gonna finish that is just be, by saying that like, I walked through the door and I came home to acceptance. So growing up, um, I really believed that I had to earn acceptance and love from others. Um, so I put all of my value into what other people thought of me. Um, a lot of this was from um, some sexual abuse that I had went through um, and what my family believed that love looked like. Um, so this led to a lot of 
anxiety and depression um, and a lot of self-hate. Um, I honestly thought that no one could ever love me because I wasn't worthy of other people's love. I couldn't be good enough for that. And I certainly couldn't be good enough for God's love. Um, but then when I started college, um, I was in a really dark place, but God still saw me there. Um, and he brought me to Chi Alpha. Um, and when I came to Chi Alpha, that's where I met the real Jesus. Um, the Jesus who loved me no matter what. And I learned what love looked like from him and from other friends here. I finally was able to see what unfailing love really truly meant. So now I'm no longer trapped in my past. Um, I've learned to agree with God about who he is and who he says I am. And I've learned that I am loved. So I walked through the door and I found freedom. All right, guys. Uh, so a little bit about me. Um, my name is Alex. I, I grew up in a, in a Christian family. My, my parents were always involved in the church. Uh, I was also homeschooled until eighth grade. Um, we moved in between that time, and then after we moved, I started into public school. So going, going into public school, I always, I always knew the love of God. I know my parents like, actually believed, and they actually taught us that love. And, and the people I was surrounded with growing up, they, they truly loved God. And then I got into school, and <laughs> um, I was introduced to the, the twisted concepts that you can sometimes find in Christianity, and how some people just twist it to kind of self-serve. And I was, I was introduced to people doing all sorts of crazy things while calling themselves a Christian. And, and I couldn't reconcile that for, for a long time. Um, and, and my journey through high school and through my beginnings at college, because I'm a junior, um, I didn't know kind of where I stood in my faith. Like, I always went to church, but at the same time I was doing, I fell into all those things everyone else was doing, and I just, I followed. I didn't, I didn't stand for anything. I didn't live for anything anymore. Um, and, and through that, God really sought me out, and, and he's brought me to where I am today. And that is, I've, I live for something more than just what this world has to offer now. I, I really, I want to show people what I've found in God and in our family here in Chi Alpha and, and just in him. And it's not easy. It's really hard sometimes to, to go back. I have, I have three roommates and they're all over the place and, and they, don't, they don't get it sometimes. They just, they, they know God and it's so hard to show them that he loves them even though they're doing what they're doing. And it's just, it's, it's really hard. Um, but, but through all that darkness, um, through all that pain and where I was, God, God found me and I stepped through the door that he opened for me and I, I found my identity as a Christian in him. I've been a Christian for most of my life. 
When I first came to college, I uh, came off of one of the most intense summers I had ever had spiritually. Uh, I had worked at a summer camp, and I had spent that entire summer working with children, showing them the love of God and who God is. I was uh, leading a life group for the male staff, and I was um, I was uh, playing on the worship team for them. Um, and uh, at the end of that summer, I was so ready to go into a dark campus here at Edinburgh and be like, all right, the second coming's here, folks. I know who Jesus is. Now you need to. And um, I honestly thought when I first arrived here at college that I was the peak Christian. I thought I knew everything that I needed to know about the Lord. I was like, the only way I could get any better is by going to Bible college and like learning the Greek and Hebrew. Like that was things that I genuinely believed when I first arrived. Um, And the Lord humbled me. Um, I remember specifically at one worship night, um, someone came up to me and they just prayed for me to experience more of God. Um, And at that moment, I heard a knock almost at the back of my head. And it was then that I began to learn that what I thought of God was only the shore of a vast ocean that I had only dipped my toes into. And so I asked God to show me who he was, and he did. And it only happened because I was willing to walk forward forward with him and see all the things that he had to show me. He had me go through times of rejection so that I can learn humility. He had me go through times of disappointment and um, resistance so I could learn patience. But through all of that, I learned that God is bigger than anything I could ever imagine. And when I walked through the door, I came home to a God who is bigger and better and loves me more than anything I could ever imagine. Whatever God's doing in your life, he has a plan for you. Even if it doesn't feel like he's doing something, God has a plan for you. That's why each person who came up here had a different story, right? God has different plans for you. No matter what your wilderness is, no matter what you're coming from, God has a different purpose for you. It doesn't have to look like anybody else's. Like this hope is not just for the people who are up here. This hope is for every person in this room. So tonight, I'm going to encourage you again to walk through this door. Come to Jesus. Come home. So we're going to sing two more songs tonight. And during that time, I want you to think um, not so much about your wilderness. We all know where we're coming from. We're reminded of that every day. But I want you to think of the goodness of God. And I want you to think about his kindness, that he would invite you into a relationship with him. That the God of the universe, a God that big, would see into your darkness, into your sorrow, into what you're going through, whether it's been for years or whether it was this week. God sees that. And this door, Jesus, it's not the price is right. Like, you know what's on this on the other side of that door. You know Jesus, and he, he's ready, he's waiting for you. 
And so you can say, yes, I want that relationship. I want a relationship with Jesus. I want a relationship. I want him to be my Lord. And so tonight, if that's the first time that you're, you're considering this, I would encourage you, like, make that relationship personal with, with Jesus and then talk to someone. Tell someone tonight, whether it's your life group leader or someone on staff, we want to encourage you. We want to answer questions. Um, we want to celebrate with you. Like, this is a, a good thing to walk through this door. Um, whether it's your first time, whether it's not, whether this is like the hundredth time that you're like, yes, I'm going to keep walking through that door. I'm going to keep going. For all of us, for every single person in this room, if you need out of something in, in the wilderness, if you need to put down some baggage, whatever it is, whatever it is, you can walk through this door tonight. This is for everyone. And we're actually, at some point tonight, hopefully going to get out of your seats. And I want to um, remind you that nobody knows what God is calling you to. And so you don't have to feel um, any sort of way that, oh my gosh, they're going to think this, or they're going to think this. Like, nobody knows what God is calling you to. We're all doing this together, but God is calling you specifically and individually. So during these songs, um, we can actually... Uh, stand up and come and walk down the aisle through this door. And that's not because there's anything magical about this space up here. It's not because there's anything magical about this door. It's not like fairy dust is going to fall on you. But our physical world and the spiritual, our spirit, physical life and our spiritual life are really connected. And so when we try to take a step in the spiritual, it helps to take a step in the physical. When we want something to happen in the spiritual, it helps to mirror it in the physical. And so tonight, I don't know, if, if you're in the front row, you can kind of like squeeze off to the side. But during these songs, I want you to think about the goodness of God. I want you to make a decision um, to walk through this door, to walk through Jesus. And then when we get up here, you can stay up here. We're just going to spend the rest of the night up at the altar, worshiping together. So whatever you need individually, I want you to come through the door. Come to Jesus, and let's come home. God, we love you. We're so thankful for your faithfulness, for your kindness. God, you are so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. And you've invited us. And so, Lord, we want to respond tonight. So, Lord, I pray that you would break down barriers. I pray that you would... Um, God, give us the courage to walk out of our wilderness, even if it feels comfortable. God, you've already sent out the invitation. You've already made a way. You are the in-between. And so, God, we want to come home tonight. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.